Hello, and welcome to The Point Being, a weekly podcast from Ipsos Public Affairs. Here we dive into the latest public opinion research as it relates to the news of the day. I'm Kate Morris, a data journalist at Ipsos, and I'm joined by Sarah Feldman. Hi. Also a data journalist at Ipsos and research lead, Mallory Newell. Hi there. We're without Chris today, unfortunately. Yes, sadly. Uh, The show must go on. It must go on. (laughs) And with that, uh, Sarah, over to you for a rundown of what we'll be discussing this week. Yeah, Chris or not, we're going to be talking about um, unvaccinated Americans and taking another look at this population after our Axios tracker picked up some shifts in the public. We'll also unpack this strange economic moment we're in, and we're going to get into some ways Americans unwind and relax in spite of it all. So Mallory, uh, to kick things off, how are Americans changing their relationship to the pandemic at this point in time? Yes, um, really interesting question, Sarah, and and one that I think that there are layers to. Um, you know, overall, in in the latest Axios Ipsos Coronavirus Index, we saw a couple of really interesting things. One, kind of concern about the Delta variant in particular is up. Uh, perceived level of risk of doing certain activities um, out of the home is also up. And, and people are starting to kind of take some more precautionary measures. Um, the number of Americans reporting that their social distancing has increased. Uh, the number of Americans reporting that they're masking when leaving the home has increased. So all in all, it kind of paints a picture on the whole that Americans are starting to change their behaviors a little bit. Now we touched on this last week in the podcast And at that point, it sort of seemed like, um, you know, behavioral change was not like widespread and it's still not, but it's definitely becoming more prevalent than the previous wave. Now, I think it's important to know that, again, we are still seeing a pretty significant divide here um, when it comes to perceived level of risk, when it comes to precautions that you're taking, concerns about the Delta variant between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Um, so this sort of tale of two Americas, as we've called it, is very much still in play here. Um, and even some groups among the unvaccinated, you know, they kind of look different too. It's, it's important to remember that, you know, when we talk about unvaccinated people, even they are not a monolith. Um, One other interesting trend that we saw in this week's Axios Ipsos survey is that we're we're down slightly on the number of people that are sort of a hard pass on the vaccinations. Now, 15% of Americans say that they are not at all likely to get vaccinated against COVID-19. As listeners may recall, it's been hovering closer to the 20% range for months. So there is slight, but but some movement here. Um, and, you know, one thing that I think is interesting is in this poll, we also kind of picked up on this this growing impatience um, with unvaccinated Americans, at least among those who are vaccinated. Um, so what I mean by that is we we asked a question this week about who is to blame for rising cases and the spread of new variants in the country. And vaccinated Americans overwhelmingly, eight in 10, 
said that the unvaccinated were to blame, um, followed by kind of sources of perceived uh, disinformation, such as um, conservative news and Republican lawmakers. The unvaccinated, on the other hand, basically said everybody else. You know, they're kind of more split across the board. If it's the media or President Biden or the CDC, um, but there is definitely this sense, at least among the unvaccinated, which translates into, if you can believe, a majority of Americans overall saying that the unvaccinated are to blame uh, for the rising cases and for the situation we're in. So. At this point in time, when we're dealing with a lot of behavioral change among some, we're dealing with rising concerns, increase in perceived risk, there definitely is an undercurrent of finger pointing and resentment that I think is brewing. Um, as I mentioned, the unvaccinated aren't all the same, right? We've got like that 15% of the hard pass people, as we've been calling them. Um, and they make up about half right now, half of the unvaccinated population. So right now, um, about 30 percent ish of American adults are unvaccinated. Um, and so the, the hard pass people make up about half, roughly. And, you know, ultimately, when you look at these two camps, there's there's sort of what we call the nudgeable, uh, those people who say that they're not very likely to get vaccinated, and the unnudgeable, these hard pass people that we keep talking about. And so when we ask the unvaccinated, you know, what, what would make a difference? How likely would you be to get vaccinated under a variety of certain circumstances? We start to see that uh, the nudgeable, some of them at least, are potentially moved by things like ease of access. You know, if you could get the vaccine at your doctor or primary care provider's office, um, hearing testimonials from friends or family members. And yes, something that is rolling out at the federal government level and in New York, among other places, an employer mandate if your employer uh, said that you had to get the vaccine. So, you know, I think we, we keep coming back to this. And, and as our president, Cliff Young, says right now, we're in this phase of how do we nudge the nudgeable? So that's that's really where we're at. Yeah. And that's I mean, what a confusing moment to kind of be in a frustrating Absolutely. moment. I think we're in this like we're, we have a lot of mixed signals right now, like Delta is scary. People are frustrated. Um, but at the same time, we're kind of seeing some of these hopeful glimmers in the data where there's some unvaccinated people that are kind of moving to get the shot. Um, and there was actually another little bright spot that I want to highlight that peeked through amid all this pandemic confusion uh, in our Axios tracker this week. And that for the first time since we actually began tracking this question back in the spring, a majority of parents reported that their teens either received the COVID vaccine or they were open to getting their kids the vaccine once it became available to them. And the usual suspects of vaccine willingness kind of made up this group of uh, open to the vaccine uh, among parents. So that's like 
Democrats, older parents, vaccinated parents, um, higher income families, they were more all more open to getting their kids the shot, um, which reflects the trends we see and know among vaccinated adults writ large. But, you know, not for nothing. That's still a good sign and something to kind of remember and keep in the back of our minds as we take account of this wider moment that we're in in the backdrop of the pandemic at, the, at this time. Yes, we need a bright spot. We need we those need silver linings spot. right now. Thank you, yeah. Sarah. No Gen X on we here today. Not us. <laughs> We're fighting us. against it. <laughs> so, you know, for me, at least, I'm going to be taking a look at the public health campaigns moving forward, the, some of the stats from the CDC, and just keeping tabs on our trackers to watch the space and get a sense of whether some of these unvaccinated Americans continue inching towards getting the shot or whether we're going to hit another vaccine wall in the coming weeks and months. That's right, Sarah. And on the topic of general themes to watch, of theme of trends to watch, um, concern about the Delta variant is also one, but also getting kind of more granular on that and looking at how that is playing out at the state level. So for instance, some of the states where Vaccine hesitancy um, was pretty high earlier. The spring is also now where the Delta variant, uh, concern with the Delta variant is 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 growing. And um, we've no we began noticing this obviously in July. And in fact, it's continuing to go up um, now into early August. So I'm thinking specifically of um, five states in the South. Um, that's Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas, and Oklahoma, where again, um, these are this is kind of hot spot states. Uh, cases and hospitalizations are rising. Um, and it's important to watch, to, to, to kind of watch this, the concern level there, because, I mean, for instance, in a state like Louisiana, we're also seeing vaccinations now rising. So again, concern is kind of pushing people to finally take the plunge and get the shot. Um, another thing too, to think about at the state level is that being a federal system, we're not, <laughs> um, states aren't taking a necessarily a uniform approach, you know, we're, um, the response to COVID is very different in the Northeast than it is, say, in the South. So, but yeah, attitudes all over the place. It's totally different, right? And and that might have an an impact on on how states are reacting. Kate, that's a good point. Yeah, exactly. And it's also important to see kind of how attitudes are shifting there because it can also put, um, impact policy and you know just the general response. So, however, as we know, the COVID does not. Um, stay still, it, it moves around the country tragically. Um, and so as new hotspot areas pop up, we will continue to watch um, how concern is evolving across the country. But um, let's shift gears a bit. So against all this uncertainty around the Delta variant, we're also seeing new volatility and outlook on the economy. Um, in short, consumers are getting pretty anxious. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so Mallory, does this make sense to you given the context? I think it does, Kate. Um, you know, we obviously we know that as as people are kind of changing their perceptions of the virus, um, as you know, lockdowns and mandates are going into effect in some areas of the country, but not others, as you aptly pointed out. Um, you know, this this also impacts things like our economy and confidence in our economy. And one thing that we've really noticed in this past week is that the Ipsos Forbes Advisor Consumer Confidence Index, um, you know, over the past couple of weeks, it's been kind of up and down. But really this week, we're definitely seeing 
a shift, a um, a drop in positive outlooks and a sign that, you know, people are definitely a little bit wary right now. Consumers are there. There's something going on right Their Antennas are up. Um, in, in our most recent data, you know, we saw a pretty big drop in consumer confidence outlooks among a lot of people have sort of been propping up consumer confidence since um, President Biden began his term in January. So that's Democrats, that's older people, retirees, um, and that's, you know, higher income Americans and people that are in the workforce working full time. And where we've really seen a decline in our data this week is among, you know, 18 to 34 year olds, um, a bigger decline in kind of lower and middle income people, but really it's it's happening pretty much across the board. Um, and another thing that I think highlights this really well to kind of make it more relatable to the individual, because obviously like when you're thinking about macroeconomic trends, like that's a very big thing, right? Um, but one of the things that we're seeing that at least to me felt much more tangible is that comfort with household spending also took a pretty significant hit. Now, this is a measure that's been pretty volatile over the past couple of months, um, past few weeks. And but now we're we're definitely seeing a decline here. So when you ask people how comfortable they feel with making major household purchases, you know, home, car, maybe big appliances, um, that dropped 10 percentage points from from last week, from the end of July and, and comfort with making other smaller household purchases also fell um, about seven points. So not not as much, but but close. And I think what that tells me is that people are kind of seeing, you know, with the Delta variant, they're taking a wait and see approach. They're waiting to see what happens next. We have rising costs of basic goods. That's something that we've picked up on in the Ipsos consumer tracker. You know, people acknowledge that they're paying more for everything from gas to fruits and vegetables to other groceries. Um, when you add inflation on top of that, you know, I think you start to really understand this uncertainty and this level of volatility that our, our consumer confidence tracker is definitely picking up on. Yeah, that's right. And speaking of inflation and concern about, you know, or lack of comfort with buying with um with a major purchase like buying a house, another demo we're watching are homeowners versus renters. Um, you know, I mean, on both counts, the cost of housing is rising, whether you're renting or if you're trying to buy a house. Um, so what are the broad brush stroke trends among renters versus homeowners right now and feeling financially stable and stress free? Um Good question. I um, I think one thing that's important to note is to kind of set the stage overall. And, you know, generally what we're seeing is that the, the level of confidence in people's ability to save and invest in the future, um, that has certainly risen since the beginning of the pandemic, but we've kind of reached this middling point, right? It's, it's close to a 50-50 split overall whether people feel confident in their ability to save and invest in the future. And one thing that, that you and Sarah have found and really dug into, which I think is great, is we're starting to see some differences emerge based on people who are homeowners 
um, and people who are renters or live with somebody else um, and do not own a home. You know, our, our homeowners tend to be more confident in their ability to save, invest, kind of plan for the future. Um, and this is starting to take a toll on Americans as a whole. I think, you know, one thing that we've talked a lot about over the course of the pandemic is how people's mental health has been impacted. Um, we know that now fewer are reporting worsening mental health compared to even earlier the beginning of this year, certainly compared to last year. So that's a positive step, right? Um, but we are seeing this sort of interesting trend where, once again, homeowners, you know, are a little bit less likely to feel bad about their mental health, their current mental state compared to renters. And so, you know, just a general sense of confidence, more security in the future and in the present. However, um, I think we need to look at who these people are to explain some of this sentiment. Um, you know, as a group, renters tend to be younger. They tend to be lower on the earning scale, lower on the income scale. Um, they're more likely to be um, people of color. And so homeowners are, you know, older, wealthier, whiter. Um, and I think that kind of may explain some of the differences that we're seeing. And so when you kind of roll this all together, I think it really underscores the sense of insecurity that lower income people and younger people in particular are feeling right now. You know, homeownership is certainly a stressor. And I'm going to shout out my my normal co-host co here, Chris, um, who is actually dealing with some homeownership emergencies right now. So shout out to you for dealing with that while we're podcasting. Um, but it, you know, it's just one of the factors at play that contribute your income level, your age, your employment status, your parental situation, you know, whether or not you've got kids at home, these all sort of play a role in our mental health and well-being and the level of confidence in planning for the future. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's so all, many the things. All, right. the things. All, the all the things. All the things. Talking to someone who just moved too. I mean, Kate, you're in that renting transient, just set up <laughs> shop in a new place. Yeah, lots of homeowner and renting uh, activity on the polling team this week. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited to be back in DC. It's it's great. Um, Happy to have you. We'll we'll see each other eventually. <laughs> one day. <laughs> Um, COVID permitting. Um, but yeah, on that note, let's take a step back and remember that, I mean, sometimes it might feel like things are spinning out of control, but daily life goes on. Um, and in fact, we have some polling on that. So <laughs> Mahalo, what are Americans doing to keep themselves sane these days? Um, I, I mean, I don't know about sane. Some days I don't feel that <laughs> way, but you know. <laughs> Um, what are Americans doing to relax or as a form of self-care? That's such a, a big buzzword right now, self-care. What does that look like? What does that mean? And so, you know, we as a team, we're sitting around talking about what we all do. And we were like, hey, we're researchers. Let's let's ask. Let's let's dive into this a little bit. Um, and and so what we found is that the, the number one form of relaxation or self-care for Americans right now is to 
rewatch a favorite TV show or movie. And that's followed by things like going for a walk, reading a book, or exercising. Um, you know, these are some of the most common ways that Americans choose to relax and unwind. I think it ties in nicely to some other data that we just released um, about binge watching TV. You know, if if you happen to see the latest Understanding Society um, or research on our website, you know, we just released some data on this that found like we're all sitting in front of the TV for 10 or more hours a week. Um, but what I love about this question here is the distinction of rewatching a favorite TV show or movie, you know, you know what will happen. So there's no anxiety to be had. You kind of revisit um, something that might feel comfortable or light. You know, it's just it's like 30 minutes or, or 10 hours, apparently, according <laughs> to our polling of levity. Um, so we'll be unpacking these self-care trends a little bit more, including some really interesting gender differences in next week's Understanding Society. So listeners, definitely stay tuned for that. Yeah, yeah. next time we ask this question, I'm going to be the advocate for screaming into a pillow as one of the <laughs> items we ask alongside these. Because that felt like an oversight, looking at this again. Probably for about admitting yoga. that. <laughs> well, that sort of falls under the, the exercise, yeah, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Depends on how intensely you scream. But, well, yeah, <laughs> something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. So I guess in conclusion, if nothing else, at least we always will have TV. <laughs> um, but uh, thanks to everybody who tuned in this week. Um, you can find all of our survey data on at ipsos.com news and polls. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at Ipsos US. As always, join us next week. And thanks for listening. I'm Kate Morris. And you can find me on Twitter at Callison Morris. I'm Mallory Newell. I'm at Mallory Kate, Kate with a C. And I'm Sarah Feldman. And you can find me here next week. Take care and stay tuned.